doing time at Baylor. <laughs> Circles along a line. I don't know if it was the best prank ever at Baylor University, but it must rank right up at the top, along with the pseudo-theft of the clasped hands from the Armstrong Browning Library. It was in 1941. President Pat Neff felt that the campus needed spiritual renewal, so he invited the human savior of Baylor and the world-famous preacher George Truett to speak in Waco Hall. What happened afterwards is in the venerable records of the Nose Brotherhood. Seems to be the ten of the brothers climbed up in the fly space over the stage and set ten wind-up alarm clocks, each to go off episodically three minutes after the other, beginning with the introduction of Dr. Truitt. When the first clanky metallic sound went off, they said that Truitt looked up as if it were a summons from heaven. <laughs> Every consecutive one led to more pandemonium in Waco Hall. Finally, Pat Neff, livid, dismissed the crowd, and chapel was over. <laughs> like all good pranks, it has about it a sense of irony, a piece of half-truth, and that is that time was indeed passing by those 69 years ago. It's passing by for Dr. Truitt. He only had three more years. Passing by for those students sitting there, shortly a number of them would be in the global conflict and some of their names would wind up on the lamp post up and down the sidewalks of this campus. Time was passing for the institution itself. There's something about the academy that seems to go in circles, fall, spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, academic 2009, 2010, cascade over into 2010 and 2011. There is that about what we do, a cycle and another cycle and another cycle, one pouring into the other. Whoever wrote Ecclesiastes 3 would have been at home with that. He announces really a rather melancholy view of things. Whatever is, was, and whatever will be, is. There are probably 15 different translations of the last words in that verse. But they seem to say God wants it that way and keeps those circles going. It's the very nature of the world in which we live. The rabbis, the rabbis, some of them cautioned against reading Ecclesiastes. They thought it would lead to despair and depression. That's why it barely got into the canon. It wasn't drafted in the first round. It may have come in as a free agent. It just got in the door. <laughs> it made it to the pop charts, October 1st, 1965, Peter Seeger released his third folk rock single, Turn, Turn, Turn. It has the oldest lyrics of any pop song. 
I guess if there were an alphabetical list of pop lyricists right above Springsteen would be Solomon <laughs> or whoever wrote these words. I remember hearing it in the student union building in the late 60s. It's plaintive, melancholy repetition, things just going in circles and things not looking all that good. What that folk rock artist wrote, a man of science studied, Edward Dewey, decided to make an investigation into cycles. Dewey's interest in cycles was not so much for nature as it was to try to figure out how the stock market works and to beat it. But like things happen, he got so interested in cycles that he got obsessed with everything that happens over and over. His institute is still out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the Institute for the Study of Cycles. He found out that every 18.2 years, there are more marriages in St. Louis, the Nile floods, there's a financial panic, and tree rings are bigger in Java. Now, nobody knows quite why, when more people show up at the Marriage License Bureau in St. Louis, Egyptians are trying to run out of their houses with their couches away from the Nile to keep them from getting wet. It's one of those mysteries. He found out every 9.2 years, there are more lynxes in Canada and more salmon in England and more tent caterpillars in New Jersey and more chinch bugs in Illinois. And it just seems to go in an endless cycle. He found out almost obsessively that things just seem to go in circles. <laughs> Maybe in a more highbrow way, in the pre-Christian poetry of T.S. Eliot, he wrote that ridiculously named poem, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And in that, he slyly winks back at you in this dramatic monologue by a man, middle-aged, balding, awkward, walking through the fog-shrouded streets of Boston to another social occasion where in the language today, he hits on a lady who rejects him again and again and speaks those words that are funny and haunting. I've known them all already, known them all. Evenings, mornings, afternoons, measuring out life in coffee spoons. Just one circle after another. Now my North Texas farm stock relatives from which I came would not say it with the elegance of T.S. Eliot, nor would they say it with the scientific research of Edward Dewey. They'd just say it's just the same thing after another, sometimes with expletive deleted. <laughs> That's not very encouraging, is it? Ecclesiastes 3.15, what is, will be, what will be is, and God wants it that way. Academic life, if we're not careful, can sometimes move in such circles that we fool ourselves into thinking that the brightness of an incoming group of students or the warmth of collegiality or the purpose of an institution is enough to sustain us without one of those seven deadly sins Acadia, listlessness, melancholy, despair. Well, it really isn't. That's where our other text comes in. Jesus, thank God that Ecclesiastes 3.15 isn't the last word about time. 
here. This Nazarene is in a, <laughs> is in a conversation with his brothers. When you think about it, it must have been a little bit irritating to have a perfect older half-brother. <laughs> Finally, they goad him by saying, prophet, you are. Well, get out of this backwater and get to Jerusalem where prophets show themselves. And Jesus talks the way Jesus talks. My time has not yet come. My seasonal moment isn't here. My propitious hour, it's not ready yet. It's there, but it's not there yet. His brothers evidently were still living in, living in Ecclesiastes 3.15. For them, it's just time to go up to another feast, tabernacles, Passover, Pentecost, just like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, over and over. And Jesus comes talking like no one had ever talked. Amos Wilder, the brother of Thornton, the playwright, says these words that Jesus spoke were so different that when we read them in the New Testament, we read somebody speaking like nobody had ever spoken before. He takes all of our circles, our cycles, and puts them on a track going somewhere. They're circles along a line. There's an alpha and there is an omega. This isn't any Greek god frolicking on Olympus somewhere in Never Never Land above time. As Oscar Kuhlmann wrote in that wonder work by that Lutheran lay theologian, Christ in time, he crashed right down into history when Octavian Augustus was in Rome. If you'd had your iPhone, you could have taken a picture of it. You could have put it on your Outlook Express. He came into time and stopped all of our endless circles. And then when Tiberius was Caesar, he hemorrhaged to death on that cross. They put his mangled body into that tomb and on that third day was the anastasis, that standing up again in resurrection. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father and poured out the Holy Spirit on his church and stopped us from going in circles. And we're going somewhere. An old Durham scholar, C.K. Barrett, said, History becomes meaningful because of the acts of Jesus. Even the early enemies of Christianity used that view against Christians. Celsus compared Christians to a convention of frogs or worms, croaking that they were so special that God had come down into time. Even the enemies of the faith recognized in those primitive Christians the idea that time is going somewhere. So we come here to the spring of 2010. 165 cycles of an academic year of something that started in 1845. But we don't come here because this is just one more circle. It's a circle on a line. There's an alpha and there's an omega. Now you can imagine that however you want to imagine it. 
whatever that is out there. The early Christians had some simple and beautiful names for it. They said it's a parasy. It's Jesus being alongside of us. It's an apocalypse. It's the rending of the veil and the parting of a shroud. God's time. It's an epiphany, the bright shining of a light. But we don't gather here today just to sing turn, turn, turn in some melancholy dirge with Peter Seeger. We're here because we can sing summer and winter and springtime and harvest because there's a great and faithful God that means doing time at Baylor is not just a series of circles, but circles on a line moving toward God's.